G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. I wonder what you think when we talk about women as influencers. Well, for some, it's the image of a woman with model looks being photographed for social media platforms with clever product placement using their looks as marketing skills. But what does it mean as a Christian to be a person or a woman of influence, an influencer? And how does it work in marriage and in family and in church that others are influenced by our actions? Well, let's talk women and influence with Christian therapeutic life coach Peter Sokia, who leads Empowering You. Peter, welcome along to 2020. Thank you so much, Neil. Good to be here. Peter, taking selfies, uh, product placements, that's the way people think of influencers. But women of influence, this comes back to a really strong foundation in Bible, doesn't it? Mm. And we can go to the Bible and find out all we need to find out about being influencers in the world today and being a wife, being a mother. Um, I, I love to look at Ephesians 5 where it talks about marriage and this is a place or an institution, let's call it that, that God has put in place to really um, uh, juxtaposition society from. So it's a very important role that we has, have as women and important roles that husbands have in the marriage, in the family, and therefore in society. So it really does come from both husband and wife. And, uh, you know, we can get into a bit of a battle. And I've been married 36 years. What about you, Neil? Have you been married that long? I'm almost 35 years. (laughs) Okay, okay. So, you know, we've got a few battle scars, perhaps. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, I certainly have. My husband has. And I know for the first 20 years of our marriage, it was fairly rough coming from uh, my husband's Mauritian, so coming from a different background, Um, and I was just saved when I met him or just after I got got married, so he'd been a Christian a while. So we came from completely different viewpoints. But this influence is so important in marriage. If we influence each other well and influence our children well, then we can really be a beautiful blueprint for society. But it can be a battleground. And, you know, I've got several um, coaching couples at the moment that, you know, they're in a battleground. It's very difficult. You help people through some challenging times. And this idea of coaching people, this is powerful because sometimes we think of influence. And as you say, it's coming from both sides. Uh, male influencing female, husband influencing wife, wife influencing husband. In some sense, there's a learning curve that you're on, especially when you get married to someone, that this influence has to happen two ways. There's no real one-way street here, is there, Peter? No, no, and there shouldn't be either. Um, It should be two-way, 100% from both 
So it's, it's beautiful influence that we, we want in a marriage. But of course, many of us come into marriage thinking that we are going to get <laughs> what we need to make us happy. Unfortunately, that's most of us come into marriage that way, thinking, oh, this person is amazing. I've never felt this way before. And all that I need is in this person. But of course, as we know, that's not true. All that we need is in our saviour, <laughs> is in our God. And if we look to somebody else, then we aren't going to be very happy. It won't take very long before we're unhappy. So the influential part of this is to influence from a position of fullness in the Lord so that we get what we need from the Lord and then we are influencing in this, this way that is Christ-like. And, of course, we come into marriage with great expectations and high hopes, thinking that this is how it will be, but it's not like that because we expect so much from the other person. And um, that's what happened in our marriage. My husband was expecting me to be perhaps a bit like his mother, who was a very docile, um, kind, generous woman. I'm, I'm maybe kind of generous, but the docile, no, you wouldn't call me that. <laughs> and I was coming in thinking he would be like my father, who uh, was a very quiet man and let my mother rule the roost. And so I thought that's how it was going to be. But no, it wasn't like that. So this battleground is real in many marriages and as a coach I come alongside a couple and begin to show them okay what do you need to put into this relationship and uh, what do you need to share and give and overflow as a result of getting what you need from the Lord. Ephesians 5 is really our blueprint so if we look at Ephesians 5 from about verse 22 to the end of that chapter um, it talks about Husbands to love their wives, wives to submit and to respect their husbands. Now, it's very interesting. If you read all those verses, there's from, what, about 22 to 30, about 10, 10 verses, and most of those verses are what the husband is, does need to do in the marriage, and that is love and how to love, like Christ loved the church, loved the body, and, and laid down his life for the body, and a whole lot more. So when you begin to look at that, why is God telling the husband so much more content and very brief about what the wife has to do? And I've often wondered, and I think it's maybe, my take on it, Neil, maybe it's because husbands don't really know what it means to love their wives as Christ loved the church, and so they need to be told. Maybe women, perhaps, have a bit more of an insight. I'm not saying women do it right all the time because we often don't. We mostly don't. Um, and so perhaps there is something there for men to learn, though. I think women do have a bit of an insight on what makes a good relationship and when it isn't a good relationship and what makes good communication. Yes. I imagine that without God in the equation, then you've got two people uh, assuming that they're always right and trying to influence the other in their own way. In this sense of, you know, we talk about people being unequally yoked. Uh, there's one on one page and another on another page. But mm. bring God into the relationship between husband and wife and you have one focus together. That's when mm. you can have some level of harmony. How do you see mm. God in the mix? Well, that's a very good point because when God is the center of your marriage, there's now a focal point, isn't there? There is now a point where, okay, if we're having trouble, where do we go? Who do we go to? Without God, 
you'd go to counsellors, coaches, whoever, and there's nothing wrong with that. That is a very worthy thing to do and, and very useful. But with God in the mix, if you if you got him in the centre, you go to God and you would go to God counsellors, people with godly counsel. And so now you've got, okay, there's sacrifice, there's forgiveness, there's generosity, there's all those things that are many more Christian virtues that we want to instill in our marriage and that we want to do for our spouse rather than what we want to get from our spouse. Yes, we want to receive those things, but as Christians, we know that it's more blessed to give than receive. So as we begin to give the way that Christ gave, as we begin to sacrifice and forgive and show generosity and show empathy and understanding as Christ modeled for us, now we can begin to... um, show Christ in the marriage, him be the centre and start to see some real change in the marriage. Wonderful thoughts around those Christian virtues because they matter whether we're in a relationship or not. But once we get into a relationship, if we don't share the same uh, pursuit of those Christian virtues, what we think of as influence actually can look more like manipulation. I wonder if you've Mm. got any thoughts here, because if you don't come from a right perspective, that humble Mm. looking to God, then it looks Mm. as though you are trying to control your spouse. Mm, Absolutely. And I was going to use the word control. You got in before me, but that's so true. When in Genesis where it says that um, the wife would always desire her husband after the fall, if you look at the Hebrew meaning of the word desire, it actually means um, control, be in charge of. (laughs) So there is this propensity, unfortunately, for women to want to control their husbands. Um, I know I tried to do that for 20 years to our detriment as a couple. Uh, And so manipulation, control, unfortunately, women do tend to err on this side or err on this side of trying to get their husband to do what they need. But this word influence and being a gentle influence and doing it from a godly perspective is very different to manipulation and control. So how is that? Well, uh, when we respect our husbands, then what we are doing, godly respect is showing your husband that you admire him for the godly role that he has. And so you would admire the things he tries to do and does do and show that appreciation by your words and your actions. And that's going to go a long way to help your husband feel that his wife respects him because to a a man, respect is admiration. And so it might be saying something like, oh, thanks, Dar, for taking the garbage out, taking the rubbish out tonight and bringing the bins in. I never have to worry about that. Thank you so much. And uh, thanks, Dar, for going and getting that job and seeking that job and that's going to help our income. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. So that, to a husband, is like, you know, balm to any, any wounds that he might be struggling with in his day and how to provide for his family and that, um, that, that um, heaviness that is on many husbands' shoulders about having to provide. And that's what they want to do, they need to do, they, they aim to do that, but sometimes it doesn't always turn out that way. So that's what a wife can do to encourage her husband. 
And coming back to Ephesians chapter 5, and uh, very mindful of the idea of uh, this submission happening mm. happening one to another, mm. uh, that there is a submission that happens both sides in a biblical mm. marriage. And uh, as you say, though, it looks a little different. Uh, it's described as respect on one side, and it's described as love on the other. And you've got to be able to work out that whole perspective to be able to get that harmonious balance. Mm. So there's a couple of things there that I'll just um, pull out, tease a bit from what you've said. So there is the love side of it. And as I said, there's a lot of detail in Ephesians 5 about how husbands are to love. And most men or most husbands would think loving their wife is giving her space if she's cranky. That's what he needs, not not what she needs. So loving her is not letting her sort herself out and coming back and she'll be okay. She's she's got rid of that problem and now she's coming back. No, loving your wife for her is showing her that you empathize, that you understand what she's feeling, what she's going through, and showing her that you understand, listening to her outpouring of whatever she needs to say without fixing, and just being there. It's also showing some romance. Um, Our husband chased us to get us across the line and say, I do. And we expect that chasing to continue. And when it doesn't, we actually feel let down. So husbands, I'm suggesting that you continue to romance and show some romance to your wife because she just is longing for that. That's what love is for her. Now, back to the submission. Um, Yes, so submission is two ways. It's we submit to one another, it says in Ephesians 5, in verse 21, submitting one to another in the fear of God. So sometimes I need to submit to my husband and sometimes he needs to submit to me. And it's sort of this, it's a bit like a seesaw, I would describe, Neil, where, you know, you sort of got to get this balance between the particular area, perhaps, or the particular um, discussion you are having who is going to go along with the other spouse in this occasion. You might agree to disagree, and that's okay as well. So submission is for both of us, but the final word does come down to the husband because that's what it says in verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Now, this does not mean to rule over with a you know an iron bar and, and um, abuse and any type of abuse at all. And unfortunately, this verse historically has been taken um, out of context and unfortunately women have suffered as a result and the marriage has. So submit one to another unto the fear of the Lord and also submit wives to your husband. When you can't agree, the final say must be the husband's But husbands are loving their wives so much that they are considering the wife's point of view and loving her so much that he's taking that on board and then making the final decision. So that's how submission works in terms of loving. Wonderful biblical insight and that it is a two-way equation here. And you might say, well, why would I need a life coach uh, to help me get things back on track if things are on rough ground right now. Uh, The idea of training one another without being in the heat of battle. Uh, Let me point you to how you can connect with Peter Sukia. That's S-O-O-R-K-I-A. Peter Sukia. 
Christian Therapeutic Life Coach. You can find Peter's website at peterempoweringyou.com. That's Peter, P-E-T-A, empoweringyou.com. Peter, wonderful insights today. Thank you so much for joining us on 2020. You're very welcome, Neil. Nice to be here. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.